Oh, it's March Madness, everyone. Hello, it's Peter Dunn, the Pete the Planner Show. Good to be with you once again. Uh, it's a podcast. It's a radio show. It's a live streaming event. It's just the output of a person who feels they have pent up creativity on a Friday that needs to get out. Mm. Alas, I'm joined by others and by others, I mean one other. And it's Damian Dunn, Vice President of Advice here at your Line. Hello, Dame. Good day, Pete. Good day to you. We are Sans Alanius today. Sans Alanius. She is at uh, something else. <laughs> I don't know what she's doing. Uh, we are doing an emergency show next week, but by the sense that it is an emergency show, I don't think it's an emergency show. It's just a str- we're recording on Wednesday afternoon is all I'm saying. We are? Uh, you aren't. You're on vacation. Uh, oh, you're not? Oh, I, oh, I mean that's my kid's spring break week, but I'm oh, only taking like a third. No, I'm only taking like a one afternoon off to go pretend like I'm a great dad and go to the movies or something. Is your mic selected right? <laughs> great, does, time to, <laughs> great time to great time to. Does anyone else like on the live chat? Like it sounds thin. I feel like you might not be coming through the mic. Uh, well, let's check. I don't know. I could be wrong. It wouldn't be the first time in the last ten minutes. All right, everyone. This is where Dame checks. This, he sounds hollow. Jeremiah says it. How about no? Oh, your boy is a sound engineer. What's up? Man, Jeremiah, thanks for, for doing that. And for just because you helped us out today, the show can go long if we have something to say. There we go. Wow. What's that like to be right? I haven't been that right in weeks. I... The thing is, I have no idea why that setting would have been changed inside of StreamYard, but here we are. So last night, it was about, I was in the midst of saying something else, but in the last night, it's around 1030, my daughter's an eighth grader, and the way it works and where we live is she actually had to try out for the high school cheerleading team yesterday for the fall. Wow. I mean, it, it doesn't get any more caramel than that. Anyway. Uh, so we're, we're at this point last night It's 1030. We're waiting for an email to come in to say who made the team. And I'm sitting there, we're waiting to see, does does my daughter make the team? And as a dad, as a parent, where you're at, you're, you're with me, Dave here. You're going both sides of this thing. You're like, man, I cannot wait to hopefully celebrate this. And Oh, also I need, I need to be on the other side. I need to be mentally prepared for the hey you know okay. mm-hmm. and thank god she made it and so uh i don't i didn't have to have the michael jordan got cut from his high school <laughs> basketball team yeah well congratulations yeah. uh daughter done you know what's weird is when you and i were going through tryouts and things um as a, as kids like they felt high stakes but somehow as a parent they feel higher stakes yeah did you when you were going through tryouts uh did they i mean this is how they did it here they literally posted a sheet on the wall of who made what team and if your name wasn't on it that wasn't it now now kids get emails on whether or not they made it a little less public uh oh no let me actually actually you know what uh, i i don't know any of these coaches i don't know what i'm i don't want to get anybody in. right now that you're you're an anonymous number and so then when you email you they give you the number like number 21 made it number 22 made it and then you just have to know your number and then that's how you know you made it but you're right when we were kids you'd have tryouts 
you're really heavy. You'd have a citrus cooler Gatorade off to the side. Oh, yeah. I had on my Jordan threes, the originals. Um, and then actually I didn't, what did I have? I had some Reebok pumps yeah. and the coach would go offside, jot on a piece of paper, go slap it on the bulletin board. Everyone would scramble over there and be like, Oh, Jimmy made it. And then the person that didn't yeah. would, I don't know. Yeah. Howdy Jameson. Hello, uh, Rick Swink. So anyway, any, I'm just glad I did not have them on. By, by the way, I go to bed at like 9.45 if we're just being transparent here. So it's almost 10.45. And I'm like, if I got to have the Michael Jordan was cut conversation at 10.45, <laughs> I'm not going to bed till like 1. Yeah. And things are getting problematic. Yes. Uh, anyway, we're doing an emergency show on Wednesday. And I sent the message to Kristen. But then I now, uh, uh, part of the show, realized that you are going to also be working next week. Yeah, yeah, I'm planning on. I mean, I I can take an unscheduled week off if you want. No, me to. no, no, no. I just uh, I, I I've got I've got some travel coming up, so I can't do a show uh, that we anyway. Uh, hi, everybody. Needless to say, Damon and I did not do uh, much conversation before we went to air this morning, so we're just uh, airing our dirty laundry in front of everyone. You know, we we have a number of Fridays coming up that are potentially thin. Uh, on the talent side, uh, we could potentially record two shows next Wednesday, do a, a double. We are always then on the talent side. That's true. Oh, Dame, this week we uh, we got a follow-up from listener Ian. There you go. How it's pronounced. Uh, we got a follow-up from a listener, and uh, I was right. Uh, and then I also want to talk about my IBJ column this week. Interesting email in. Want to chat through it. Could take a couple segments. I've got an okay biggest waste of money of the week. Uh, and then the news. Boy, that's a tease in the biz. Said, way to pump that show up, Pete. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> hey, we got an email from someone. I'm going to read a newspaper column. And then I've got a, a, a an adequate uh, biggest waste of money. Enjoy, everybody. <laughs> um, I am listening to a very interesting audio thing right now you think was it a podcast is it an audio book what is it it's sort of a combination so if i may explain uh i have a very long flight coming up uh yeah jameson is so glad (laughs) that he tuned in (laughs) that's amazing uh so i have a very long flight coming up so i'm trying to load up my audio stuff so john ronson john ronson j-o-n-r-o-n S-O-N, John Ronson, is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite writers. He writes nonfiction, sort of cultural critiques, and he, he wrote a book called So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Like he, He's just, and he's funny, and he's British, and in the audio versions of what he does, he reads it, he's just quirky and funny, sort of a David Sedaris type funny guy. Anyway, I'm reading... And by reading, I'm listening to uh, a series of podcasts he did for the BBC, but you can only get it via Audible from what I understand. And it's about the various culture wars that exist and, and how they actually get, got started. Like, you know, how, how did this hot button issue become the hot button issue for this group of people? Like, what's the, the genesis of that? And he goes back and tells stories from like the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s of like, how we got so divisive on so many topics. Like what was the the jumping off point? Really interesting. Um, In fact, one of the ones I'm listening to right now is how the internet 
sort of became the people's internet as opposed to this idea that it was going to be controlled by a group of people. And the, the name of the podcast or the name of that bit is called the Scottish Jewish joke because one of the <laughs> earliest people who was involved with the internet at the was time Al no, oh. pulled an off-color joke and really it began to blossom the internet because he got shamed for telling three guys walk into a bar joke, right? And, and so it's like, how did we get to these fascinating, like well-researched, it's called uh, Things Fell Apart. Things Fell Apart by John Ronson. I highly encourage you to listen to it. So he's Brit you said he's British, I think. I, I heard that. But he lives in America and he writes about America. That's what I was going for. Was he telling uh, um, you know, uh, these conflicts uh, from uh, an American perspective or the the more uh, you know European perspective? Because uh, they could be drastically different in some cases, but that's good to know. He wrote uh, – he's written a lot about Alex Jones. Um, okay. But he, he did so – four or five years ago and what had happened in the previous 15, 20 years, he wrote, you remember that George Clooney movie, men who stare at goats. Do you, you remember? Have you ever seen uh, I remember book? hearing it. I never saw it. He wrote that book and the movie is based on the book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, John Ronson, ladies and gentlemen, Dane, what are you listening to right now? You, you right. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I have a smattering of podcasts that I just uh, flipped through, but I uh, just got a new book that I'm going to review uh, for, potential use with my team called uh, I Hear You. Oh. And it's about uh, active listening and empathizing and making sure that your communication skills are as good as they can be. I will check that out. All right. We're going to start with my IBJ column. I will read it. We will answer it uh, and go through it together. So let's do that and get my timer started. Do, do, do. I just pulled up my calculator. Hmm. So that's been that sort of week. Board meeting. It was board meeting mm -hmm. week, Dave. Ooh, that's a good time. Okay. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. Email us. Ask Pete. It's all one word. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. And do not spell Pete like the local Starbucks who, when I say, hey, uh, Pete, they write P-E-A-T. It's P-E-T-E. -E. Yes. They don't do that. They, they do do that. And I, they do do that. Do Damian do. Dunn yeah. joins me <laughs> as co-host of the show. Kristen Alanius is on sabbatical. <laughs> um, Dame, email question came in to ask P-E-T-E -E at PeteThePlanner.com. And it says, Dear Pete, P-E-T-E. -E. I think I need to take over my parents' finances, but I don't know where to start. My parents are in their 70s, and I get the sense they're making increasingly poor decisions. They seem to have a bunch of credit card debt. I'm not sure how much they have in savings and investments, and I'm not sure what their life insurance and long-term care insurances look like. I briefly mentioned my concerns to my dad, and he seemed agreeable to me taking a look at what they have. What's the best way to tackle this? And this is from Renee. So, Dame, uh, this is quite the topic. Mm. I mean, this is quite the topic. Yeah, there's a, a number of oh my gosh moments uh, that could be had, starting with one that sounds like has already uh, got the stamp of approval, which can be one of the trickiest parts of the entire thing, which is getting buy-in from your parents to get assistance from one of their kids and their finances, because there are many times parents don't want their kids to see anything behind that curtain. 
it is my belief, I have no data, that virtually everyone will go through some version of this. Right? I mean, all things being equal in a vacuum. I think every single adult, assuming their parents are living, will be dealing with some version of this with whoever their parents are. And I find it to be emotional. I find it, there's just so many emotions involved. There's there's shame, there's embarrassment, there's fear, there's uh, resentment. There's all sorts of things. And so I have seen several of these situations before when I was a financial advisor, I've coached people through them. So Dame, what I'm actually going to go through here today, what you and I are going to go through is we are going to show people how to sleuth another person's financial life, how to get in, ask for the right materials to know everything you need to know as a financial investigator. We are going to arm you with that information today. I want you to send this podcast to your friends and loved ones and significant others and, and send this radio show, which you have to send via podcast from PeteThePlanner.com. It's free. Don't freak out. Send it. Because this is the guide on how to dig through someone else's financial life so you can help them. Dane, we, we, we start with kind of a weird spot. Credit report. You start with the credit report. <laughs> so I don't care about credit scores at all. I, I just don't. I find them misrepresentative of reality. Dame uh, feels in a similar way. But Dame, boy, oh boy, there is a lot of information on a credit report, and that's why we start there. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's a number of reasons that you're going to want to check there, but you're going to see what's going on with the stuff that the people knew about, your parents knew about. Make sure everything's in good order. They're paying the bills on time. Uh, nothing's late. Maybe they you know, had a delinquency or whatever in the past, but get a good handle for that. But potentially even more importantly, you're going to look for stuff they didn't know about because I don't know if you know, Pete, identity theft is a huge issue in the United States and people who are likely to succumb to it are going to be folks who are uh, vulnerable because of uh, unfamiliarity with how uh, you know, technology may work quite as well as somebody else. But there's a, I'm not even going to say a good likelihood. There is a increased likelihood that uh, you may find some accounts they didn't know about. And it could be you know, credit, it could be it could, whatever, car loan, who knows what it's going to be. But you have to sniff those things out and make sure that you're at least playing from a, a level playing field to get, get started. There's another element to this too. And it's that what if one member of the household took out a credit line and has not told the other person <laughs> or lost control of it in some way? And so that's where the emotions can get into this is that if you're helping your parents and one of your parents has been financially not forthcoming, mm -hmm. then, then you're going to have to sniff that out. Now, the other reason you're going to do this is once you've seen, you get to write down all the accounts that exist, all the accounts that have balances, and then this gives you the path to eventually, and we're not there yet, to eventually go find all the statements and accounts that actually match up with that. But here, here's actually the next thing you do after the credit report, and which we like, annualcreditreport.com. Mm -hmm. That's annualcreditreport.com. It is free. Mm -hmm. Freecreditreport.com is free too, but they just constantly try to sell you things, so we prefer annualcreditreport.com. Dame, here's the next thing you do. You freeze everyone's credit. That is 
in terms of tactics, one of the most important things you can do for your aging parents and for yourself for that matter is to freeze your credit. Dame, uh, I am constantly shocked at how few people have frozen credit. hundred percent. There's, you, you 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 led into this uh, with the conversation of you know helping your parents with their finances and I'm so glad you pointed out that there's no reason you shouldn't do it either because it is a tremendous benefit for you to protect yourself and your credit by shutting that door so anybody else can go in and open a line of credit in your name uh, and then if it, frankly it puts a roadblock to you going out and maybe signing up for cards that you don't need or, or accumulating debt you don't need as well so Freezing your credit is incredibly, incredibly important and a free tool for you to implement in your financial life. It, yeah, right. So if, you, if you've got a parent and they're, I'm going to be speaking in generalities today, so I don't want anyone to get offended. I don't want your email complaining about being rude. I'm just trying to be succinct here. If you got someone in their 70s, it's unlikely that that person needs to apply for credit ever again in their life. Mm-hmm. And you could argue, not only should they not uh, want to do that, they shouldn't have to do that. And, and it's hard to make an argument that they should on any level be applying for credit. And so that's to say, just shut it down, just lock it up. And of course you got to save the username and the, the mm-hmm. password and all those sorts of things, but lock it down. And Dame, let's say the person you're helping out, someone in, I don't want to keep going back to someone in their seventies. Let's say your older relative, let's say they're loosey goosey with their PII mm-hmm. <laughs> personal identifiable diet. What is it, Dame? personally identifiable information. Right. <laughs> Let's say they're loosey-goosey with it and their social security number is just floating out there in the interwebs. This is going to lock down their credit. So that is the next place to go. So, so far, Dame, I, f- I know you're making a list in mm. blood. Mm. Uh, you've got credit report and then you've got freeze your credit. And I do want to give a very practical warning here. TransUnion is still a giant pain in the neck to freeze your credit out. <laughs> Okay, so there's Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. You have to go to each of those sites. You have to do it for each of the people involved. So you're talking about six credit freezes if you got two parents. Mm-hmm. Let's say you got a blended family with uh, 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 four parents, and you're talking about uh, 12 credit freezes. TransUnion is a pain in the neck. And TransUnion, if you're listening right now, stop listening to me. Fix your site. It's been a hot minute since I've had to uh, freeze any of the uh, credit reports for folks that uh, I know and care about, but you are exactly right. TransUnion seems to be a much bigger pain in the neck than others. Okay, so Dave, here's what we're going to do after the break. We've just All we've talked about is credit so far, which then tells you how much debt a person has, and we're going to get there a little deeper in a second. But we haven't touched income. We have not touched assets Mm -hmm. and we have not touched insurances. And those are the things that bring stability to a person's life, whether they are 35 years old or 85 years old. And so coming up after the break, that's what we're going to do. Most of this uh, show today is dedicated how to help an aging relative with their finances. What is the appropriate way to do it? And when we come back, before telling you about income assets and insurance, I'm also going to talk about who else do you need to get involved before you even begin? I've sort of started there, but we will do that. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner Show. Boy, how about a minute wind up for that? That's kind of gross. You're a pro. Um, sometimes. Um, yeah, th- this this is a topic, man. This is... And here, here's maybe I'll save it for the air, but the practical side to this is 
the reason you're doing this is not out of not only out of love and, and commitment, but it's it's practical because this stuff will become your problem mm-hmm. if you don't solve it as soon as possible. Absolutely. This is uh, uh, whether it's whether or not it's something you ever wished to take on. It is something you need to be at least familiar with. Uh, and the more familiar you can be with your uh, with your parents financial situation, the easier it's going to be to have uh, certain conversations down the road as well. I've said this before. I actually wrote a column about this. Like, uh, you know how I am with years. So I mean, this was like <laughs> 38 years ago or last week. I don't know. I, I, and it's actually changed since I wrote it. You know what? I'm going to look up. I got all my columns right here. Sorry, uh, Dame. Here's what we're doing. I'm looking this up and, and here's what I'm looking up. I know at the time I wrote this column about 60 there it is. I wrote this column in March 6th of 2020. Oh, okay. okay. March 6th of 2020. What a weird time to find yeah. a column. This was my second column I began writing for the Indianapolis Business Journal. This really? This my second column in March 6th of 2020. Uh, and, the, and the lead is, I'm familiar with about 60% of the functionality of my iPhone. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there it goes on to talk about whatever, whatever. I'm now at about 40%. Some three years removed, the iPhone is advanced. I have gotten older. I just don't understand. My daughter can like talk to space on this thing. I cannot. And so why, where I'm going with this is your parents or your aging relatives, what are the chances that they're in touch with their personal finances in this digital world the way they need to be in touch with their finances? Not great. Yeah, and so there's this should not be awkward. I mean, it is awkward, but it should not be unexpected. It is expected that they're not going to know the functionality of a digital credit report or or even online banking and, and, and some of the aspects of that or or pulling up an investment statement online. Uh, this is where I don't want people to send me an email like, I'm 72 and I can do this great. Awesome. Neat. I'm glad. Show your friends at the bridge table because I don't think everyone feels that way. That was a little, a little much, wasn't it? <laughs> it, was, it was a little strong. <laughs> at least we weren't on air. <laughs> I don't know. This is a hot topic for me. You know how I get. You've known me a while. I get I get sort of on topics. And this one I don't think I'm going to get off of for a while. But um, let's, continue. let's continue. Okay. Anything you want to offer before we go back to, to Aaron? No, it's a worthy topic. If you're going to get fired up about, uh, about something you want to communicate to the people, this is a good one. Let's do it now. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, talking about how to assist an aging relative with their finances. Now, here's what we're not talking about. We're not talking about giving them money every month. We're not talking about writing them a check to solve a problem. We're talking about investigating their cash flow and their insurance and their debt and their credit report so you get a sense of what's going on, so you can educate them around it and fix whatever needs fixed if it is practical. Now, Damien, as we go through... They just call you Damien? Yeah. Who is that? What just happened? I don't know. I feel like you're in trouble. I do too. Damien, Andrew. Hmm. Dame, um, if you have a sibling, which you don't have a sibling, but if you have a sibling, you have to get them involved with this process, not from sitting in the living room when you do this with your parents, but you need to inform them what you're doing. And you need to inform your parents, even if they, your parents will have theoretically agreed to let you help do this, every step along the way, over-communicate what you're doing. 
You want this to be on the up and up. You want to document this. You want to write it in a, an Excel file. You want to take notes. You want to say logged in, uh, the, you know, the fifth day of March, 2023 and did this. And the reason is it's like, Hey mom, I'm getting your credit report right now. Um, and this is why we're doing it. I think, I think what leads to the, this point of aging parents getting disorganized financially is the lack of communication. And I think you have to over communicate to fix that. Dame, there's also the practical and legal side of this too, is you don't want someone accusing you of doing uh, a bit of malfeasance. What if, uh, what if the sibling is incredibly disinterested? Does this change your approach at all? Yeah, it, great question. And there's, I think there's two questions there. First is, what if they're disinterested? Uh, fine, just tell them what you're doing. Just say, hey, I want to let you know, because uh, mm -hmm. this could be our problem later. But the other side is, what if they're obstinate? Mm -hmm. What if they disagree? What if they're in a bad spot themselves? Or they, what if they don't trust you and they think you're going to take money or move the inheritance or something like that? Or what if they find out, uh, what if they are afraid that you find out your parents have been giving them money? Oh, you, you've been doing this before. <laughs> um, yeah, that is very real. That yeah. is uncomfortable. You know what? I, Dame, I know that. I hadn't considered that recently. Mm -hmm. That is the truth. 100%. I remember. Oh, this is, this is back in the day. I remember, it's probably 2004, I was working with this elderly couple with their finances and uh, one day I went over to their house and their adult daughter was there and they're like, oh, this is so-and-so. And I was like, oh, hi. And, and they were like, this is Pete. He's helping us with, I think it was more Peter at the time. This is Peter. <laughs> Who wants to sit down and talk to a guy named Peter? Damien. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is Peter. He's helping us uh, understand where all our money's going and we're a little scared. And you could see the look on this woman's face like... Mm -hmm. I'm going to light this house on fire and hope that Peter doesn't make it out. That's a little aggressive, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and needless to say, she had reason to look at me strange because they were just giving her money hand over fist. And it wasn't just loving support. It was enabling and it was, it was awful. And so Dave, you're exactly right. That's a part of this equation. Okay. Started with a credit report, run a credit report at annualcreditreport.com for your parents, both your parents, see what's on there. It'll populate your debt list. Also freeze their credit. Next up, to the bank accounts we go. What is the income? What is the income? You're likely to find social security income. Uh, you are likely to find another source of income, whether it's a pension or an annuity payment, or maybe just some interest off of investment or something like that. But Dame, this is like, all right, how can we have this household sustain itself for years, if not decades to come? And the income is how it gets done. Yeah. First thing, and I, I want to make sure we're clear and that I'm understanding you, is that that first pass through the bank statements, you are looking for nothing but income, correct? Y yes, sir. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's what yeah. you're doing. And, and, Look, I mean, you know how things work. Maybe what you find out is that there's not an automatic deposit, but there is a check deposit around the same day every month, which means your parents are getting a paper check mailed to them. 
You also, and this is this is where it gets hairy for that generation. Mom and dad, where do you bank? Oh, I bank it whatever. Where else do you bank? Oh, oh yeah, we do have an account here or there. And where else do you bank? Oh, you know what? I forgot about the one here. Dave, you would not believe the number of times that the primary checking account, there's also some other supplemental checking account that also does stuff. It pays bills, it gets income, and, but they don't think about it because they don't use it for daily living. I have a story from a, a close personal friend who uh, father passed away and it took them two years to close the estate because they kept finding bank accounts all over the country. It was a, a military uh, family and they just kept unearthing accounts all over the place. Took forever. Yeah, it's so f- it's it's a generational thing, right? I, I re- again back in the day when I used to people used to trust me. Uh, this is very early two thousands. I remember people would go and like, oh, I'm gonna go get an uh, an IRA this year at the bank, and mm-hmm. what that what that meant is they're gonna find a bank with CD rates that mm-hmm. they liked. They're gonna open an IRA and put a, put it in a CD at that bank, and then the next year they're gonna go to another bank Shop and it. open an IRA. And and put a new two thousand dollars or what? So then you've got this idea that there's like fifteen banks over fifteen years. I've got all these IRAs that none of it makes sense, but it's a generational thing. And so when you're asking your parents to try to help them with their finances, suss out all of the banks. And here's what you're also going to find: Oh, that's all our bank accounts. Is there any other financial institution? Oh yeah, there is a two credit unions. Like make sure. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's a savings and loan. Yeah. Oh, there's a Christmas club. Like get it all out and, and be patient. Can I can I call a timeout on myself here, Dame? I'll allow it. You have to be incredibly patient when you're doing this as the investigator. Cause you are you have to the entire time just think grace and empathy. Grace and empathy. These loving people put up with such horse junk for me as a adolescent i must have the patience of job in this situation you know your awkward middle school years where you can barely function they dealt with that so you cannot get upset and so if if they are like oh yeah there's another bank don't get frustrated you can't go oh why didn't you tell me that just like just keep it cool because if you don't and it gets too heated and too frustrated and it gets cut off in the middle, then you're going to know that there's a bigger disaster than you thought and you will not be allowed to fix it. Yeah. The good news is, though, at this stage, when you're looking primarily for income, it's they're likely going to know exactly where those accounts are and be able to help you unearth those relatively quickly. Uh, all the other accounts, be prepared. I have to admit here, I think this is where we're going to give people an actual expert tip. You notice that we have not gotten to assets yet other than bank accounts. And a rookie, that was loud. Wow. A rookie, my stomach's growling. Did you have a rookie will go right for the assets? Yeah. And that feels weird too, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Dude, I'll tell you, back in the day when we're cutting our teeth learning how to do this, I would have too. As, yep. a, as an aged man now, though, I'm telling you, the last thing on our list is actually go figure out where the assets are. Because the next thing on the list, before we go to break here, and we'll come back and talk about it, 
insurance. Insurance is next. I want to know, uh, do they have a Medicare supplement and, and where's it come out of? I want to know, do they have long-term care insurance? What are the details? What's the life insurance? Are they paying the right amount of car insurance? So that's what we'll come back, digging through the personal finances of a relative to make sure it's all together right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Man, Ian's question just gets punted to next week. Sorry. Sorry, for, Ian. For Ian's update. On a special Wednesday show of Pete the Planner. Maybe. Maybe. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. I have to check everyone's calendar now. I've already snooped on Kristen's calendar, and I saw it, and I blocked my calendar out for Wednesday afternoon. What time did she put it for? Uh, she blocked it out from like noon to five, <laughs> just to make sure we have plenty of uh, accommodation. Does she think it's Radiothon? We're going to be raising money? Yeah, maybe. Back in the day... Um, our, our flagship station that we're on is WIBC mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. It's a talk radio station, 93 WIBC. And, uh, first couple years I, I was on the air and I would go down and record a studio every year. They did uh, something called Radiothon mm-hmm. and where they would raise money for Salvation Army and all the hosts of the shows would come in and for like, oh, I don't know, a few days, you just take a shift and you would do live radio and talk to callers and do all these sorts of things. You know, so I did it for a couple of years and I actually enjoyed it. But it's also when I learned that good, bad or otherwise, I do a different style of radio than my colleagues did <laughs> at, <laughs> at WIBC. Um, and I thought, I mean, who knows? It could have been, I could have been terrible at that. I think I was really good at it. And I think I was very, different than everyone else at it they stopped asking me back but i i liked it i, I I'm, I'm sort of the like a caller calls in they're like i want to oh i would like to give 75 dollars for this and then in the background you'd hear yeah and i'm like is is that your cat and so like, I'm supposed to be talking about the 75 dollars and what it's going to do and it's going to yeah. feed people which is great i want people to eat but then I'd try to interview the cat and then, and then, but between the break, the program manager would be like, Hey, I get it. Um, it seems funny or it seems like it's interesting, but people really just want to hear the donations. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to push back a little bit here. I think if, if I'm in the car on a Saturday morning and I turn on talk radio and it's someone telling me what they're going to donate money to, or it's a man interviewing a cat. I'm staying tuned to the cat. <laughs> and then that was my last year on the radio. Yeah. Well, you went out on your own terms. I thought maybe you were going to tell me the lady had a, a IndyCar race on in the background. Do you think when our radio show gets canceled, we'll stop doing the podcast? Like, what I do you hope, think the mechanics of that are? I hope not. I, I foresee uh, episodes with uh, the the explicit warning in the corner. Oh, it, it's, I, w- I don't think I'd ever, <laughs> I, I wouldn't I've, do that. I'm just teasing. I know I you do wouldn't. regret going on other people's podcasts, like friends, like comedy podcasts, and I would get a little more uh, raunchy in my language. I actually regret that, you know? I, wow. I, I, I talk like a sailor. I think I'm, it's important for people to know. I must not be familiar with those podcasts. because Well, let, don't look them up, anybody. Was there one fairly recently that you did? Uh, was no. that one of them? No, no, this was years ago when I didn't think about these things. Okay. And by fairly recently, I mean like a couple of years ago, that little series. That you uh, no, with. no, I kept it cool there. I thought you did. I, I thought I listened to most of it. Yeah, those. no, it was probably five, six years ago. Yeah. 
I just like I don't, life's too short. Yeah. Um, someone could also say life's too short to care. Just talk how you talk. But uh, sorry. In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, talking about how to investigate your family's finances, which sounds not great. Here's where. Here's the situation. You're a middle-aged person like myself. You got aging parents. You notice there's some weird financial habits or concerns. You're like, how are they surviving? Like they got these expenses, they got medical, but like what's going on? And then you're like, I would like to know because I think eventually this could be my problem in a bad way. And I'd like to get in front of it now. So how do you have that conversation? What are you looking for? That's what we're doing here on the show. So uh, Damien Dunn joins me as always. So far, Dame, we've hit run a credit report, mm-hmm. freeze their credit, uh, find their income on their bank statements. And then we, we're on to insurance. Life insurance details matter. So much. So much. And I want I want a special call out here. We're going to talk inside baseball. There is something called a universal life insurance policy. And the reason I bring this up is sort of a hybrid between a term policy and a whole life insurance policy. And depending on how your parents have paid on these universal life policies, and if they've ever borrowed against these universal life policies, these policies can die before your parents die. So that is to say that your parents may think they've got, oh, I've got $100,000 of life insurance, but because they have an unhealthy universal life policy, and by the way, universal life policies in themselves are not bad. It's just how people use them and misuse them become the issue. And so that's to say that your parents' coverage may run out when they're 77. So when we dig through their insurance, and this is where you may need to get your insurance professional involved, you need to run what are called IFPs, enforced projections, enforce projections. It will tell you how long their life insurance lasts. And then you also need to take time to dig through their long-term care insurance. And Dame, this one's important because... Long-term care insurance is about 20 years old or so, maybe a little bit older as a concept. Man, it's changed. Man, it's hard to understand. And premiums continue to go up because it was so hard for actuaries to accurately price uh, along the way. Now, you know, uh, universal, I almost went back to the beginning there on that one. Uh, long-term care insurance is, I think it's really important for a lot of families because it's going to uh, hopefully give uh, your parents some some dignity and in those times when they might have to use it it's also going to protect you from having to do things that uh, you don't want to do for your parents in most cases so check it out long-term care policies are all over the map and as far as elimination periods and uh, benefit levels and what they consider or what they the, the level of care they're willing to pay for they do pay for if there is a long-term care policy in place, you need to look at it closely. I first started helping as a financial planner, helping people with long-term care insurance. I don't do this anymore because I'm not trying to sell it to you right now. I don't do this. But when I was 25, 26 years old, so like 20 years ago, and at the time, you would want to start looking at getting a policy when you were in 50 or around the early 50s because it was less expensive. Dame, as you know me to be today, as you are yourself, we are 45-year-old men, which means we are about five years away from technically having the need to look at long-term care insurance policies for ourselves. What? How did this happen? I'm just waiting for the company-sponsored long-term care benefit uh, that, that I know is coming down the pipe. How did this happen? 
Just keep breathing, Pete. Just keep breathing. Okay. And then you got to actually get to people's assets. You got to go to their investment statements. You got to do all these sorts of things. And because you think this is about how much money do mom and dad have, that because you think this concern is about that, you're going to spend a lot of time and scrutiny over that. I can assure you as a professional, there doesn't need to be as much scrutiny there as everything else. Um, you need scrutiny about the money. Is it in annuities? Is it in mutual funds? Is it in stocks? Is it in cash? It, what is it in? Who is the person? Are they making moves? Are they being charged fees? All of that is important. But I'm telling you, uh, it is the last thing I would look at in this probably four to five hour process that we're talking about. Yeah, I, I think the the total of assets is important that are available for the parents uh, to draw on. But I do think you need to dig in and look at the structure of the relationships that your parents have. If, if they are <clears throat> potentially unfamiliar with their finances in general and you know where things are and how things may be transacting, they may be getting drastically overcharged with their relationships with their assets as well. So I'm not saying that uh, you're going to go in there and, and try and blow up anything that's going on but at least be familiar with it. Maybe they're invested in a way that does not fit their time horizon or risk tolerance. And that's a big problem. Maybe there's a lot of transacting going on inside of some of those accounts, needless transacting that needs, that needs to be going on inside those accounts. Find that out. You may be able to potentially save your parents some money with their assets just by doing a cursory review. You and I don't have to agree on this point, And I think we probably do agree. Um, I'm going into this entire process uh, lovingly scrutinizing your parents as opposed to potentially scrutinizing their advisors, right? I think we need to look towards their advisors to make sure they're getting good advice, but I'm not going into this process or I don't think you should go into this process saying, I bet their advisors are taking advantage of them. And I know that's not what you're saying, Dame, but I, I want to make sure people hear that. Um, what is possible is that your parents are a bad client. Like they actually don't listen to the advice of their advisors or, or worse yet, they have two or three advisors mm -hmm. and they don't tell the other advisors about their other advisors. So then they're getting terrible advice because the advisors are trying to deal with the money that they think is, you know, all there, right? They, they're, mm -hmm. they're only dealing with what they can see. And, and that's, that's a bad situation. In my experience, so take it for what it's worth, but I, I would guess that you'll agree with me on this. Having multiple advisors is uh, more of a generational thing. I, I don't see it with uh, younger generations, younger folks, nearly as much as I did when I was doing this with, with older generations, where the IRA mentality, where you're going to go out and put a, a you know, CD in a bank over here and next year a different bank. Maybe they see, they view their advisors the same way, and it's possible that they've got multiple relationships that are doing more harm than good uh, for their overall uh, stability. I agree with you. I do think if you're if you're doing this exercise where you're going through your aging parents' finances, it's I would say less than a fifty percent chance they even have an advisor. I bet they just got some stuff. Um, and it's also possible that they have very little assets. I mean, this isn't a high-end conversation. We're talking about like, where are the millions going to go? We're saying like, <laughs> hey, what if your parents have $80,000 left to their name 
And mm-hmm. it's there it, it, like once that's gone, then that is where you as their their offspring have to step in and solve their situation financially. That's why this is so important. Um, yeah, this yeah. all this all gets down to eventually resource allocation. And what you're doing is setting the stage for making those hard decisions by familiarizing yourself with everything that's there. Uh, making sure some some basic protections are in place if if possible, like credit uh, freeze and maybe some life insurance or maybe uh, bumping up uh, or making a change in, in Medicare supplements or something of that nature. And then once you know you have a track to run on and something that is hopefully sustainable, then it becomes about resource allocation. Final thing you got to do is you got to find the state planning documents. Yeah. Will, trust, medical power of attorney, health directives, those sorts of things. And then I think one of the best pieces of output that comes from this, and this is hard to do. Hey, mom and dad, this is what your finances look like when you both are still living. This is what it looks like when mom dies for dad. This is what it looks like when dad dies for mom. And you got to do that. And that is where maybe I, I don't think you necessarily have to get a financial planner involved, but you can. You have to know social security rules, like who gets to keep what, you know, they don't get to keep them both and, and all that. So, there is the Pete the Planner Show guide to digging through your parents' finances. You know what? If one person listens to this show and does this, it will have been well worth all of our time. But literally everyone listening to this show should be prepared to do this. Coming up after the break, the fun and frivolity continue. <laughs> uh, biggest waste of money of the week in the news. I'm Pete the Planner. And if anybody wants to send us in their fun experiences while digging through their parents, uh, anonymized, of course, their parents' finances, we'd love to read those little humorous moments. Oh, man. It was so good to have Jameson back on the show. Got dropped soon. Been fun listening live. And I just emailed my own question to ask Pete. Oh, Jameson. I'm going to guess his kids are getting older. It's going to be a college question. <laughs> Brian Pankins shows up. Hello, Pink. Uh, by the way, this is Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer, Brian Pankins. Really? Yes. Uh, the Pike High School basketball team won the state championship some 20 years ago or something like that. Yeah, we're going uh, down remember. that road, though. What are you talking about? Just reliving glory days of, of high school. Well, his team won. Mine didn't. But the oh. state champion, Brian Pankins. Uh, so he is officially HOF. He's in the Hoff. Uh, Jeremiah asks, was the podcast in which I was inappropriate on the Jeff Vibbert podcast? Um, uh, possibly. Jeff Vibbert, <laughs> f- f- Jeff Vibbert's got a great story. So Jeff Vibbert was on the Bob and Tom show back in the day mm-hmm. and um, had his own podcast. He's an interesting young guy from, from central Indiana and then went on to run a lot of the media at Barstool Sports. So oh. he's like one of the – a personality amongst that, that Barstool – staff oh. I, for what it's worth i'm not a big barstool person however i do appreciate the worth uh, the work of uh, uh jeff uh da, 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 other comments coming in oh there's a hall of famer 25 years ago is when brian pinkins won the state championship oh my gosh i was there uh all right that's it oh other comments uh da, da, da. michael says I've been talking with my sister about my parents' situation as they celebrate 60 years of marriage. Yep. And then... Uh, Congratulations. Sarah notes that uh, her dad has information in a green folder. 
talking funeral wishes expenses is important too. You know, the other thing I didn't bring up on the air, and maybe I will when you come back, Damon, is when you do this, guess who's going to do a better job with their own planning? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your, your boy. Yeah, I mean, you're going to do better yourself because you're going to see all of the, the hoops that you would have had to have jumped through, and you're like, man, I do not want to do this with my kids. I, uh, <clears throat> I had the pleasure of being my dad's financial advisor uh, for a few years. And I remember at the last meeting we had, I asked some really tough questions that any normal financial advisor would have, but coming from your son, they, they were harder and they had to do it with his business and what he wanted done with it. And, you know, just all sorts of stuff. And I'm so glad I got, I, that I asked those questions because, you know, less than a year later, I had to work on those, I, I, but I knew exactly what he wanted done. And yeah. it, it took all of the stress out of, well, not all the stress. It, it took a, a ton of hand wringing out of the situation. Yeah, no, that's tough. I mean, I having heard you talk about that over the years, um, and, and I'll limit these comments to the financial side of things, mm-hmm. um, just a hard time these things that you still have to deal with in some capacity right yeah. and so it, the more time you can use to get in front of those challenges like what we just talked about on the air the, the better dame uh, this also reminds me uh you treated the executive team this week to a picture of dame with hair mm-hmm. was that college dame what was that no that was uh that was probably between junior and senior year of high school dame uh, you, I couldn't even recognize you. If, if, if I had to pick out a picture, it, there's, it didn't even look like you as one of our coworkers said, you look like a cop. Yeah. I mean, a young, very young, attractive cop, but yes, a cop attractive. Okay. Let's start back in three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete, the planner show is the mischief, yeah, the mischief <laughs> BWD sneaker. In the whole history of sneakers, this might be the most unique creation yet. Even for mischief, which is spelled M-S-C-H-F, even for their ultra high standards, the mischief BWD is an open toed. You got to listen to this closely because <laughs> I can barely explain what is being seen on the screen of the live stream. It is an open-toed sneaker that can be either worn from the traditional heel first entry or the front, meaning that, yes, this can shoe can be worn front or backward. The either-or shoe complements the usual, or pardon me, the unusual design with a strikingly simple white leather and red suede upper paired with a chunky 90s skate shoe vibe. It drops on April 11th. 2023 so dame this sneaker i i don't how would you describe this you put think of a normal tennis shoe mm-hmm. you put your foot in the shoe and then there's the toe of the shoe which is closed and so now this time we're opening the toe of the shoe like a sandal but then you can also put your foot in the sandal from the other side and then the normal cup of where your heel goes is the toe Over. of the shoe yeah. yeah there is zero chance the shoe is comfortable this is the this is the biggest waste of money that has ever existed. I I will not argue that. I, I mean, it, it could have 
arguably been an attractive shoe with a, a, a traditional setup where you put your foot in one side of the shoe and not either or. But this is, uh, my guess is going to be, it's it's a boutique shoe. I'm going to say it's $325. Here's the thing, and I probably should have shared this with you. I don't know how much this thing costs. Oh. But we're gonna keep track because it it it, dro- it drops. That's what you say when thing releases. Oh, uh, it drops April eleventh. So we will keep an eye out for this. Whatever it is, is too much. Hundred percent. It's. I think. I think it's. I'm gonna go five ninety five. Five hundred ninety five dollars. Do you uh? Do you fancy yourself a bit of a sneakerhead, Pete? That's a fair question. <sighs> No, not in the sense that people actually talk about it. I, I like a nice pair of white Nikes, you know, um, got a couple pair, but I would never spend any serious money on a pair of, of shoes. I'm not dropping $300 for like a pair of Jordan. Like I, it's not who I am. Uh, and I also don't like people are like, this shoe's worth $500 now. And I've had, it was $300. I'm like, you're not selling your shoe. Just calm down. Dame, I know you are not a sneakerhead. No, I mean, I used to love in that same era that we grew up in, in middle school, when sneakers were, you know, you had the Jordans and you had uh, the you know, Bo Jackson shoes and the, the Reebok pumps. I, there were tons and tons of options that were really popular. And I, I liked shoes a little bit then, but uh, now not so much. I'm much closer to New Balance age than trendy shoe age. Dame, what is in the news this week? Thesaurus.com was probably the star of this week's Supreme Court oral arguments in which attorneys for Jack Daniels had to use every synonym for dog poop they could find. The whiskey brand argued that the dog toy company VIP Products violated its trademark with a crude squeaky toy that mimicked its iconic product. The VIP Bad Spaniels dog toy at the center of the case is modeled after the recognizable whiskey bottle, but instead of saying old number seven Tennessee sour mash whiskey, mm-hmm. number old number two, it features old number two on your Tennessee carpet in an almost identical font. Jack Daniels claims that the similarities of the toy's appearance to the real product confuses customers and associates the company's fine whiskey with dog poop. VIP says its toy is a parody and is protected as creative expression. So, Dame, this uh, made it to the Supreme Court of the United States? Indeed, it did. <sighs> uh, we'll find out We'll find out the ruling later and find out if uh, VIP products has really stepped in it this time. There it is. There it is. Moving on? Oh, yeah. I even want okay. to say what else is in the news, but okay. I, I felt like naturally you should move on. Okay. Uh, Sign the- for a movement. There you go. I was, I was waiting for the... Uh, yeah, there, there it was. There it was. Uh, the Fang, that's uh, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google era is apparently over. The U.S. market is now dominated by just two stocks. The combined weighting of Apple and Microsoft in the S&P 500 has risen to 13.3%, the highest level on record for two stocks, while the influence... Uh, of other big technology stocks has waned as of late. Not since IBM and AT&T in 1978 have two stocks made up a greater share of the benchmark, according to Howard Silverblatt, a senior index analyst at S&P Dow Jones Indices. So it's not unprecedented. Is it good, bad, meh? Will Fang be back? Pete, what do you think? Are we going to see a resurgence in the tech stocks that made up Fang? 
I think you're going to see a basket of tech stocks make up a new basket, but I don't think Fang is coming back. And I, I, in my opinion, everyone understands that I know nothing, right? Yes, your your stock picks prove that out. Yeah, I think it's mainly because of of Netflix, in my opinion. Really? Yeah, I I think while that was once the most innovative, mm-hmm. you know, thing in the category it's so saturated now that I don't think it can have that level of dominance again. Like I, what do I, you're asking the absolute wrong person. I think there will be another acronym for a basket of stocks, but it's not going to be Fang. Well, to bolster that point, potentially Apple plans to spend a billion dollars per year to produce movies that will be released in theaters. Bloomberg reported this week, the tech company is answering Nicole Kidman's call who wouldn't in order to win over Hollywood's best talent uh, who still care about Oscar nominations and snag buzzier projects. Plus the theater goers might be tempted to sign up for Apple TV plus after they clean uh, the butter off their fingers from that extra large popcorn. Uh, Apple's Coda won the Academy Award for best picture in 2022, but the film brought in less than 2 million at the box office. Pete Ted Lasso on the big screen. I know you're going to go see it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, you talk about movies and I saw this point made the other day and I have to agree with it. I think Jamil Hill, um, mm-hmm. sports writer, uh, and cultural uh, observer, uh, noted that Tom Cruise is the greatest movie star of all time. And I'm having a hard time disagreeing with that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I probably, and I don't, I, I have very mixed emotions when it comes to no, I said mixed, not confused, mixed emotions when it comes to Tom Cruise. But man, I, he's got to be right up there. No, oh, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I like Tom Cruise. I will watch any Tom Cruise movie as long as it's an action movie. Uh, you can keep eyes wide shut. Shut. Yeah. I am not really interested <laughs> in that. Uh, but yeah, look, the Top Gun Maverick was amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of things were uh, as well. Dame, uh, maybe time for one last one? Sure. Uh, how about... Uh... Deflation has finally come for the housing market uh, for the first time in 131 months. The price, median price of homes fell in the U.S. on an annual basis. The ne- median price for existing homes in February dropped 0.2% to $363,000, according to the National Association of Realtors. With the West and Northeast experiencing the biggest price cuts, home sales have surged 14.5% from January to February, though, snapping year-long decline. I was doing some personal finance stuff yesterday, actually, for myself. Where my house price from year over year increased from date to date, you know, 12 months, 6%. It peaked at a much higher percent and then fell. So I think it peaked like last March for the year 2022 and then came back. Um, but all, all told, that's still really good. Yeah, it didn't increase 25% or something absurd, but 6%, that's better than my equity portfolio did. Uh, sadly, yes, yes, it is, and unfortunately, well, I mean, like my equity portfolio or my house, not planning on using any of that money anytime soon. The ultimate point. All right, Dame, uh, we did it. So special show, we think, uh, for the podcast at least, uh, live stream maybe next Wednesday afternoon. For everyone else, thanks for listening on uh, the Pete Penner Radio Network. If you want to listen to the whole show, if you missed the show on how to dig into your finances of your aging parents, you can do so. Go to PeteThePlanner.com or wherever you get podcasts. You can listen to the Pete the Planner Show. Send you good vibes. Good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. Whew.
That was a wrap up. Man. All right, Dame. Uh, we will figure out a time. I must go. I got things. To, sorry, Jeremiah, but I've given you exactly a one hour show. So, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to end the show. It's 59.45 right now. I'm going to end the show in 15 seconds right on the nose. Show of a countdown? Uh, yeah, we're going to do that. Okay. And ready? And five, five. Ready? Five, four, three, stay getting money. One. <laughs>